Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 61 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. RV Miles is also on social media. We are over at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, can be found at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. On this week's episode, Badlands. It's so bad, it's good. The Badlands of South Dakota. Badlands National Park and the nearby town of Wall, South Dakota. Uh, we had such a great time at the Badlands and we're so excited to get into telling you all about a place that was yet another unexpected experience for us, I think. Yeah, it's up there with how we felt after we visited Bandelier, Petrified Forest. You go in with sort of an expectation and not a bad expectation. You go in with an expectation that you're going to enjoy the park because it's a National Park Service site and they always have something of value. And you leave wishing you had more days to spend because it just blew you away. Speaking of the national parks, this week's episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. It sure is. And this year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can discover your perfect day in a park, whatever day that is, at findyourpark.com. And I gotta say, our bean boots, L.L. Bean, if you don't know, is is famous for their bean boots, um, the sort of rubber bottom leather uppers. They are fantastic and they really came in handy in the Badlands because we had some dirty, muddy days. We did. We've actually had a string of weather. <laughs> we're still in South Dakota. We are We're in the Black Hills now. We're in the Black Hills now. We are actually going to be exploring Wind Cave National Park tomorrow. But we have had a string of cold, rainy weather not my favorite kind of weather <laughs> yeah. makes this, me a little grumpy this morning we got up at 5 a.m and oh, we're we we, <laughs> because we, we wanted to experience the buffalo roundup at custer state park and we're going to talk about that on another episode but it was a fantastic experience where you get to see all the buffalo in the park wound uh rounded yeah. up in order to do a sort of a health check on them and uh, but it it snowed uh <laughs> this morning before we got there and it snowed it and it was, was rainy ice rainy and mix of mud and, and it, yeah and nastiness. that mud i you know if you follow us on instagram it should be up for most of the day tomorrow this which will be saturday because our podcasts are coming out now early saturday mornings we have an entire insta story on our time at custer but really what I want to point you to is the little blurb I did about our car and what it looked like when we took it to, because we had to take it to a car wash today. <laughs> I didn't know that dirt could actually get up in between the doors and the car itself. Like, so when you opened the door, there was just this thick mud was, it was dripping it out was, of the car all day. And we finally <laughs> went and got a car wash and so... sprayed it like had to open the doors and spray the yeah. insides <laughs> with the doors open. It was so much mud, so much cold, but so much worth it. And I'm excited to talk about it on a future podcast. But anyway, our bean boots really got us through that. And I got to say, did. bean boots look even better muddy. Yeah, I said that to you the other day. I was like, <laughs> I'm glad that these finally look like we've actually worn them because there's nothing worse than having outdoor gear that just looks pristine. Yeah. So yeah, it was nice to that. break that stuff in a little bit this last week. <laughs> All right. We've got some news items for you this week before we get into Badlands National Park. First of all, 
of course, the National Park Podcast. We like to remind you every week. We haven't gone anywhere yet with it. Into listening <laughs> to it. Still there. Part two of our Lewis and Clark story of the Lewis and Clark expedition. We left off just as Lewis had looked over the ridge of what was the Rocky Mountains, expecting to see an easy route to the Pacific. And yet Not instead all, he saw miles and miles <laughs> of more mountains. I just have to think what that must feel like. You are already exhausted. You have depleted most of your supplies. You are weary. Your men are weary and you look out and there's no end in sight. You And you can't turn back. There's no turning back at that point. And a point I thought was very interesting regarding turning back is we were loaned the Lewis and Clark documentary, the Ken Burns documentary by our camp host at the Army Corps of Engineer campground that we were just at last week. If you haven't watched this, I absolutely highly recommend it. It's, I think it was what, four hours? It's four hours. So it's, so it's a short Ken Burns documentary. It's, yeah, it's like just a little, <laughs> it's like a little short documentary for Ken Burns. But they were talking about how when they would in the 19th century and probably I'm sure 18th and 17th and as far back as you want to go, when they would have these long expeditions, they would bring enough whiskey or whatever the alcohol was of choice to get them so far into the expedition that by the time it ran out, you couldn't turn back. So the whiskey was the thing that kind of kept them going was the here, let's all have a little shot at the end of the night. And then it runs out. You can't get more and you can't go back. And so at this point, I'm guessing they're out of whiskey. It's kind of like getting married. (laughs) Is it? I mean, I guess at this point. We ran out of whiskey a long time ago. We are coming up. We are coming up on 10 years this November. So I guess we're at the point in our journey where there is no turning back. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm all, I'm speechless. I currently right now, I'm like what Lewis must have been like looking at the mountains. You have left me speechless. Uh, so I think we should move on to some <laughs> we'll other We'll just sit news. here and enjoy our Lining Kugel's Sunset Wheat. We are. We're having a beer tonight because we are. <laughs> I guess my point is tired. that really uh, one beer does about the same thing to me these days as a couple shots of whiskey did 10 years ago. This is true. There's no Manhattans being consumed in my life anymore. That that would just have me asleep on the floor before I even finished the drink itself. All right. We also wanted to mention to you that we have a new RV Miles feature uh, that we're working on that we launched last week, actually. Uh, we're doing a weekly RV chat on Twitter. It is literally hashtag RV chat. If you've never, if you, if you're on Twitter, uh, if you're not on Twitter, you can ignore this. You don't have to sign up for a Twitter account just to do this. Turn the volume down. Come back in about. You should join our Facebook group. Uh, But if you are on Twitter and you've never done a Twitter chat before, a Twitter chat is essentially one account puts out 10, 10 questions or so over the course of an hour. And you answer them and you respond to other people's answers by following the hashtag. Our hashtag is hashtag RV chat. And so it's, obvious it's, it's well, <laughs> RV chat was actually a, a thing uh, like a year and a half ago. It, yeah. it ended. It was fairly popular and um, we're just sort of bringing it back. And we like to reboot a lot of things. <laughs> don't we? we do. We do. And this uh, this week's RV chat is on. Fall camping. So if you listen to our fall camping episode a couple of weeks ago, you're already ahead of the game on this one. But we, we have a bunch of questions um, that we'll be asking at Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central is when RV chat will be every week. So we hope you will join us over on Twitter for that. And I think you can guarantee that Jason will somehow find a way to mention chili. <laughs> oh, there will be a question was, on chili. If we had our too, first chili this we, week. We, we did we, make it's our fall, first y'all. Chili. So yeah. you know, we had chili yeah. this week. It was a good one. We did, and we actually had leftovers yeah. tonight, and we'll probably have leftovers again tomorrow. Yeah, had, you made a lot, and tonight, and I'll have it tomorrow, and, and then the we're gonna day. have to freeze some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. In 
in real news. <laughs> in the real news in for this week. In the real news. Uh, it's, uh, there is a decline happening in the RV industry, in, in sales, um, in the number of units ordered by dealerships from manufacturers. Over the last three months, uh, every month has been down. I think all three of them have been double digits from last year. So it's it's a serious concern. Well, um, yeah, because we've been climbing, 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 yeah. climbing. I guess you figured we were going to plateau. And it could just be a correction from that. Perhaps. Um, but this doesn't seem so much like a correction plateau as it does seem like a downward. Now we're going down, down, down the hill. Well, I think you do have, you know, there are, there is at some point a limited number of RV customers. And I think a lot of people are, have bought new RVs in the last couple of years. And it's just that market is getting a little soft. What's compounding that though, is the new tariffs that our government has put in place over the last, they actually were, were sort of uh, announced in March, but have just went into uh, effect over the last couple weeks. And uh, the RV industry, they're not concerned really about the sales numbers, but uh, they are saying that it is going to affect pricing. Uh, it is going to affect the cost of building RVs and the cost uh, and, and essentially the price that you're going to pay for a new RV. So there's the steel and aluminum tariffs that went into action on Monday, actually. And that's that's a big portion of the construction costs in the RV industry. The vice president of product development and marketing at Thor told ABC, the local ABC in, in Elkhart, that he's not too worried about business based on the success of this last week's RV exhibition, which is the big dealer show that they have every year in Elkhart. Uh, but he said, you know, without a doubt, tariffs increase the cost of goods one way or another. RVs are going to get more expensive. There's just nothing. There's no way around that. So buy now if you're going to buy. So buy now. it's, you know, it's interesting that some, uh, this industry that was once the darling of American manufacturing over the last couple of years, really showing how American manufacturing can succeed is now showing some chinks in the armor. And, uh, we'll see what happens in the coming months and, and years. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what the numbers are when the tariffs begin to show up in the actual manufacturing of in the, the cost RV. of the goods. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have these new tariffs that are rolling out, I think maybe in six months, nine months from now, we might get a better idea of what that's going to, what that's going to do to the industry. Yeah. And, and part of the problem, you, you might think, well, okay, these manufacturers should just go buy, you know, use American steel and American aluminum now. But most of that steel and aluminum is coming from the chassis and the chassis on most RVs is not manufactured by the RV manufacturer themselves. So they take what's coming to them unless they can make a brand new relationship with a brand new company and redesign their product to fit a brand new chassis. They got to deal with what they get and what they get is steel and aluminum that comes from overseas. So I don't think we're done talking about this yet. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, our final piece of news this week, the, the popular narrows trail this is probably one of the top five popular trails in the nation in Zion national park. This is the one where you hike through water, the whole route, essentially through a very narrow Canyon. Part of this trail has always gone through private land. And all of a sudden, this private landowner just threw up a no trespassing sign. Get off <laughs> the lawn is what just happened. So now you can no longer hike the the full length of the traditional narrow trail, which was like it's 16, 16 miles. miles. Yeah. yeah. So that's the north to south. That was a route. big, big, yeah. big hike. And not most people do that. So no, what most people do is you get on the shuttle and you take the shuttle, the Zion Canyon shuttle all the way to the temple of Sinawa. Yeah. And you do that. I think it's like a mile 
1.2 miles to where the Narrows start. Yeah. And that's the south entrance. Yeah. And most people, that's where they're going to go. However, I have not hiked the Narrows, so I can't speak to how far they can go now. But according to the press release, they can only go as far now as Big Spring. Yeah. So you're, you can only enter from the south end, from the, from the canyon at Temple of Sinawa. You can't enter from the north end anymore, and you can't through hike the whole thing. So uh, that's unfortunate. But it's very anybody unfortunate. that got to do it, I guess, was very lucky. Good on you. <laughs> National Park Service did release a statement that said they are hoping to work with the landowner in order to open this trail back up. So the first tweet that came out from Zion was clearly, it was very cheeky. And it was clearly from someone who was not too happy about the situation. And they were a little spicy on how they spoke about the landowner. And that tweet got pulled. And then a more government-friendly, more PR-friendly tweet came up that also included the statement from uh, the National Park Service regarding. But I have to say, I actually really liked that first tweet a little bit better. <laughs> and I wish they'd put it back and Of course, up. you know, it is, if it's private land, I guess they get to do what they want well, it with hey, it. But I assume this is a ploy somehow for money in some way. Or, you know, it's possible because they wouldn't say the cause. No one will say why. But it is possible. Maybe some people ruined it for the rest of us. And we don't know if this is a, a single person, a family, or a large corporation that oh. owns this land or what. Uh, but anyway, that is a change happening at Zion. Uh, if you're interested in, in doing that, well, you can't. Sorry. Can't do that 16 miles anymore. You can go do Angel's Landing. And- I personally <laughs> uh, am not going to be doing a 16-mile hike through water anytime well, soon. it depends. On, I mean, you know, it depends on the time of year. I'm not. And I can't. Depends, I don't okay. know. A 16-mile hike through water. Like walking upstream through water. That's got to be worth 25 miles. Maybe. I mean, the water moves. But you get to it's wear, not like slow. You get to wear the really cool like wetsuit yeah. that you rent there. But there... I, I mean, but, I don't yeah, know. It's an experience. Yeah. I would do the narrows before I would do I do it as far I as would... I could go until I pass out. I'm just not going to make 16 miles. It's not going to happen. You're like 1.6 <laughs> miles. Jason's and done. Then you got to go back. I know you have to turn around. So I guess you have somebody pick you up. Yeah. That's, that's when you call That's when you phone a friend. <laughs> I would do the narrows before I did angels landing. In well, a heartbeat. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. That's I uh, heights. Mm, no, no. Well, heights with, just a, a sheer drop off. Like Holding on to chains. Yeah. and yeah, no, yeah. Not for me. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about a national park that has much less heights and much less water. And also a place where you can get five cent coffee. Can't find that anywhere else. You can't. Abby didn't believe it at first. No, I didn't. <laughs> and we will, we will talk about my cynicism and skepticism later. We'll be right back. Be right back. All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. There are five bags of gold that all look identical, and each has ten gold pieces in it. One of the five bags has fake gold. The real gold, fake gold, and all five bags are all exactly identical in every way, except the pieces of fake gold weigh 1.1 grams, and the real gold pieces weigh 1 gram. You have a perfectly accurate digital gram scale, and can use it only once. How do you determine which bag has the fake gold? Ready? Ready for this answer? Ready? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Yes, I'm tired. Go. <laughs> sorry. Take one piece from the first bag, two from the second bag, three from the third bag, four from the fourth bag, and five from the fifth bag. If the weight on the scale, you put all those on the scale, right? 
If the weight on the scale ends in point one, you know it's the first. If it ends in point two, you know it's the second, point three, it's the third, point four, the fourth, and point five, the fifth. I love when you tried to, you did this with the boys, like you gave them two, last week you gave them two brain like teasers. The biggest they, blank looks on their faces. They, <laughs> they got to pick which one last week was going to go on the podcast. And when you told them the answer, and then you were like explaining it to them, you could just see their eyes like completely glaze over. And I just think like they, all our listeners right now. <laughs> just like everyone last week. I thought it was pretty but, good because I, I thought it was just a really elegant solution to a problem. I think it is very elegant. I think that the kids tried to argue it with you too, though. They, did. they didn't. They, they always didn't. tried to well, argue yeah. everything with me. So. <laughs> Children know best. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about the Badlands uh, area of South Dakota on this episode. Uh, the first segment we're going to do, we're going to talk about Wall, the town near the Badlands and sort of where we camped and all that. And there's some cool stuff there in a very small, little, tiny resort community. So before we do that. Like we do. This episode is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And Best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off an annual guest privilege subscription. It's already so cheap. And then you can take another 10% off with the coupon code RV Miles. It's all one word. Head over to boondockerswelcome.com to start your subscription today, or you can go to the link in the show notes. Seriously, it pays for itself in one night. You don't have to stay at a Walmart. You can stay. No wall docking. Nice people's. No land. boon barrels. Like <laughs> I'm telling you, those are boon those barrel are, is never stop. Stop trying to make boon barrel happen. It's not going to happen. It will. If I say it long enough, it will eventually catch on with at least three uh, I people. Have to, I feel the need to explain it because nobody knows what you're talking about. She's talking about boon docking at a Cracker Barrel. Maybe they do get it. If you go back and listen to our... <laughs> Not our, everybody's listened to every episode. This is okay? true. but I, If they haven't, I mean, oh, I don't know what they're waiting for. Do but. you have 61 hours of your life? <laughs> Probably at this point, 65 hours. Uh, Wall docking, boon barrel, boondockers welcome. Way better choice than those other two. Hey, so you know what doesn't have a Walmart or a Cracker Barrel? Wall, South Dakota. Wall, South Dakota. Do they have a grocery store? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. A little one. It's like a quickie mark. Here's the thing. Okay, so you're heading west on I-90 across the state of South Dakota. Uh, it's a long stretch of a whole lot of nothing for a long way. Uh, it's beautiful because it's big, massive skies and wide open prairie and lots of really cool clouds and sunsets and all that. And an eclectic mix of smells. A lot of wind. A lot of wind. But it was nice to be back on 90 because that's like yeah, home. It's turf. like leads back to Chicago. Yeah. Like, you know, we, you know, we like got we on it. Yeah. I, connection. I did. I appreciated that no one was trying to run me off the road as they <laughs> often try to do getting on entrance ramps that last like all of two seconds in Chicago when you want to get on 90. But here's the thing, like 300 miles from Wall, South Dakota, all the way over on the east side of South Dakota, on your way across on Interstate 90, you see sign after sign after sign for Wall Drug in Wall, South Dakota. I would really like to meet their marketing. <laughs> and I assume they've been doing this for, you know, decades. The, yeah, they've the got store the is is I, I can't remember what year they opened, but they're like 90 years old or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was early 20th century. Um, this is uh, an it was an old fashioned drugstore, and it has, I, I it has grown <laughs> over the years. It has taken like over Wall South Dakota, a, a, a restaurant, really. a retail store. It's still like a pharmacy. Games for kids to play, an outdoor play area, uh, all kinds of stuff. And there's a T Rex. There's a T Rex, and he might 
one of these days he's going to get out of that so, Jurassic Park cage. <laughs> so many of our listeners have probably heard of Wall Drug, but if you haven't, it it was a cool place to stop. We went there a couple times and enjoyed some good donuts, um, a little bit of breakfast food, a little on the expensive side. A little bit, not uh, especially shockingly for like rural though. South Dakota, though. I mean, you know, you go to restaurants in other towns that aren't touristy and it's not going to be as expensive. Well, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And you said touristy. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm. And let me backtrack for a minute. Going into Wall, South Dakota, I had seen across like Instagram people sort of, oh, wall drug you know you have to do it but sort of knocking on it a little bit like it's kitschy and it's just required so i didn't is but it i didn't go into it with a lot of expectations because i thought it was going to be kind of ridiculous and actually i thought that it was well laid out i thought that it didn't look like they just thrown up some walls and like thrown a bunch of junk into a room. Some decent merchandise. So, you know, I, they had some stuff that we wanted to buy for sure. Yeah, I enjoyed wandering through it. I didn't find I I thought the donuts were so good. They were. And they now you had talked about things being a little bit pricey, but I will tell you that I think we paid a dollar 80 for each donut. And I'm not talking. They're not tiny. No, I'm not talking like the donuts you get from your local grocery store or from Dunkin' Donuts. These were thick cake donuts with a really generous helping of frosting. They actually put, I saw them frosting them. They put the frosting on with a knife. They don't like dip it or anything like that. They don't play around. Yeah. And you will pay a little bit more for this donut than you would like say at a Dunkin' Donuts. It is worth every bit. But when you put that up against your donut, and then five cent coffee, you yeah. have an entire wonderful little treat they for under two dollars. A wooden box where you can drop a nickel in and buy your cup of coffee. You can also go up to the counter and pay for it. Hopefully, you're not paying for just five cents on a credit card, but yeah, they'll add that. it. They'll add it to your order. Uh, <laughs> you know, but- we had we're a family of five. Everybody had their own donut. Yeah, and you and I had coffee, and it was slightly over ten dollars. That is, to me, a fantastic deal for a snack, a treat that everyone left feeling very satisfied. So we also came back again and had uh, an actual breakfast there. We just, you and I had eggs and toast. We and did. that that was what I felt was on the little bit expensive side. Yeah, I but agree. And it was I fine. think the problem with that was anytime you wanted to add a meat to any of those. Yeah, it was like four. It was like 50. four extra dollars yeah. for bacon. Like the meat was really very expensive. Yeah. But we enjoyed we were there a couple of days. We explored inside and outside. They have a great little uh out back. You can you can ride a giant jackalope, you can get into a stagecoach. You can be at a train depot, just sort of all they, these very South Dakota. Some of the stuff they have back there was was sort of closed down because it was late in the season when we yeah. were there. But they also have sort of the typical uh, little mining setup where you pan for minerals and stuff. They clearly serve beer out there because I yeah. saw a little beer kiosk that was shut down. But. They have enough to do that you could certainly pass an afternoon and enjoy a donut and coffee yeah. and then go on your way. And, and sort of walk down the strip in Walls. The strip well. is, I loved yeah. the strip. I loved the feel of the strip. It felt very old west. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we did after a very long day in the Badlands is we came into town and had dinner one night right across the street from Waldrog is a place called the Badlands Saloon. Yeah, and let me preface this by Wall is a town of 818 people, according to their population sign. And TripAdvisor lists 11 places to eat in Wall. (laughs) And one of those is Wall Drug. One of those, if your only fast food options are a Dairy Queen Grill and Chill and a Subway. And a Subway. And and no other sort of chain restaurants and, uh, you know, a few bar and grill type places. Jason said that if he had the money... He would open up a McDonald's in that place so fast and become a millionaire <laughs> because it's <laughs> Though I probably imagine true. you have a short season, but 
I but mean, you still have 818 people that need it, to eat. It would do well. It would do well. <laughs> <laughs> not that I would want to, you know, not, not, not that I'm a huge McDonald's look, fan. Yeah. We're I not just, encouraging you know, that you should be eating I, McDonald's I on a regular potential. basis. But. I'm also not a big gentrification fan either. But <laughs> Well, those were your words. Don't say those words if you don't okay, want me well, to repeat Okay, well, maybe them. I would just open up a different. I'll open up uh, a Starbucks. I'll, I'll open up a, uh, a, a mom pod diner. There you go. But so we had we had uh, dinner at a uh, what was the place called? The Badlands Saloon. Badlands Saloon, and it was a nice place. I um, actually really liked the decor in there. We we had a we had a good meal. Our server was super nice. And, I wish I and, remembered uh, his name. Yeah, he was so he really kind. Took care of us. He did, and part of that was that we came in, and it's a seat yourself. At least that night that we were in there, it's a seat yourself sort of situation. But they were packed. And a table opened up. He cleared it off and he said, your server will be with you shortly. And then I think we sat there for 10 minutes before he came over and took our drink order and took our meal order. And we just, I think, ordered like a large pizza and like a side of fries because we never know with Henry whether or not he's actually going to eat or if he's just going to eat fries. Like yeah, nobody really knows what you're going to yeah. get in the car. You just never know what you're going to get with that kid. So we were all so hungry from a really long day in the park. We just devoured all that food. And our server, when he came over, and he'd been so attentive, and he came over and he was like, do you guys want some more French fries? The Another basket, it'll, it's on me. And we were like, oh, that's so kind. And, you know, he said, well, it's the least I can do. You guys were waiting for so long. So, and he says, and it's clear you guys were really hungry. And I said, yeah, we we're pretty hungry. Not only did he bring us a basket of fries, but he also ordered cheese curds. And brought those to the table just as a way yeah. to apologize for us waiting for so long. And they were good. <sighs> they were They're so good. good. I, yeah, normally you you would uh, normally get cheese curds as an appetizer, but I gotta say they were they worked they well were as a, a nice, dessert. A nice finish <laughs> to the meal. Yeah, I had a beer. <laughs> we had some cheese curds. It felt so very Midwestern. Yeah, really felt back in our element. But it was he didn't have to do that, and it wasn't necessarily why we're talking about him because he gave us these free things at the end was that we were not at all bothered by the fact that we had to wait. They were busy. I worked for so many years in the service industry. I totally get it. He just felt that that was something he wanted to do of his own accord. And I just thought that that was really great. And I appreciated that. And, you know, we let him know as much when we left. Yeah. So wall is, I, I do think is well worth it to stop. If you're just traveling through to at least go to wall drug. I don't think you would, you know, I don't think wall is like a destination other, unless you are going to go to the badlands. It's a destination. If you're going to the, badlands. yeah, it's not a place Absolutely. that you would like go out of your way to go to. That said, they do have the national grasslands visitor center there in wall, yeah. which is certainly worth, your time stopping in for you can become if you have small people or big people a junior ranger this is the visitor center for all of the national grasslands there are 20 national grasslands in the country and buffalo gap national grassland sort of is surrounds and is part of badlands national park yes this is sort of the home base for it but is also the visitor center for all of these different grasslands. There's a very outdated film. <laughs> yeah. This is the first time I will ever say you don't need to watch the film. Well, clearly the film all. is much older than the visitor center because the, the visitor center seems fairly new. Yes. It's a fairly new visitor center for sure. This film is clearly from the nineties when I think the U S forest service was pushing a very different agenda and it had a very heavy propaganda feel to it. Yeah. Like it was also <laughs> 25 minutes yeah. long. Now, when we went to Lewis and Clark Visitor Center and watched the 25 minute Ken Burns video, yeah. that flew. This, I kept looking at you and I was like, it's not, oh it's no, not it's no. not over yet. And I would say, didn't yeah. they just say that like five minutes ago? Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're pushing mining they, interests and forestry interests. And and that it, that's part of what they do. That's part of they, what they, they do. They have to manage these lands 
but for I didn't need it for farming and all that sort of stuff. I didn't need it for 25 yeah. minutes. It, and it was very it was very 90s in its graphics and its dialogue and it just it it does not serve this lovely new visitor center. They need a new especially somebody since call Ken Burns for, who has his number. Especially <laughs> since it's for all the grasslands. Yeah. But the kids <laughs> learned a lot and I learned a lot too about yes. the different types of grasslands, about about the Dust Bowl and what happened when all these people settled the area and that and tore up all the grass for farmland and Yes. That was <laughs> the one thing I think I walked out and I said this to you that night. I said it never really clicked that the Dust Bowl era was man-made. Yeah. In the sense that we stripped the prairie land dry. And so these winds. They picked up all the topsoil. Yeah. And blew it everywhere because, because there nothing was, was nothing. holding it together. And having spent three nights boondocking on a hill <laughs> with 30 to 40, sometimes 50 mile an hour winds whipping across the prairie. I was very thankful to have that prairie grass because we would have just been in a windstorm. So speaking of that, let's talk about where we stayed and where to stay when visiting Wall in the Badlands. First of all, the National Park itself, there is a commercial campground at the visitor center inside the park that you can stay at. The National Park Service operates a sort of pseudo boondocking campground that has... Um, I didn't see it, but from what I, the description I read, it has pit toilets and garbage service, but pretty much nothing else. And you're basically parking in open land, but bison roam right through there and you can experience that. But it's also far down a dirt road and there was no cell service, which was the main reason we didn't stay there because for work reasons, we we need cell service. How else would we be able to bring you this podcast every week? <laughs> so what we did is stayed right below the cell tower. Uh, we <laughs> and still didn't have the greatest service. We we stayed at a uh, a, a boondocking area uh, that was that's called Nomad View. If you look if you look for it on like Campendium, search Nomad View and you'll find it there. It's right outside the the wall entrance to the park maybe a mile maybe a mile maybe, and a half maybe even not yeah. yeah not at all well and if and you like if you count miles. that dirt road you have to go <laughs> yes. just to get to the main road and like six miles to to wall um this area and if you go on to campendium you can find it you it'll have the gps coordinates and that's how we found it but there it has a gate that you have to open that's essentially just barbed wire that you have to like uncurl and put back up is like a post you have to set in the ground. It's it. I love it. It feels like you're it. trespassing for sure. Yes. But this is national grassland land that you'll see other RVs parked on when you get up there. But this is such a cool boondocking location because you are on the edge of the Badlands. The Badlands are it's like prairie and then the earth drops out and there's the formations of the Badlands. And you can boondock. You are on right the, where that starts. The edge of it. You are on like literally every single boondocking spot in this area is a little outcropping over a cliff edge, looking out over this vast awesomeness. Yeah, and so in true Epperson fashion, there was a lot of panic. Yeah, about our, being our on these kids, outcropping. Uh, did they not weren't having be, it. They didn't. Oh, they weren't be. having it. And you know what? I'm going to be perfectly honest. I was not having it either with the kids. Only because I, it is very important to me to be able to send them outside to play without having to supervise. Yeah. And I could not do that when the bus door opens off to a drop into the Badlands. Yeah. I couldn't so, send my five-year-old out So to there's play. like a little road through this area and we parked across the road away from the, the cliff edge, but we were still close enough to get the cool view. But our door was now facing, facing open prairie land and the there, kids were this very good. With cows that. graze through here. So there, there are a lot of cow pies around uh, to to avoid. Bighorn sheep also come through the yeah, area. Yeah, we didn't get to, didn't see, get to them see them come through. Mm -hmm. But apparently the bighorn sheep do sort of walk through there 
very often we saw their droppings. <laughs> we uh, knew they'd been there. We, we just there. clearly weren't mm-hmm. up early enough to see them. It is just overwhelmingly beautiful place to park for a few days. I, you know, I still couldn't kind of wrap my head around the fact that we could just be here for free for, you know, there's nothing, you are just parking. There's nowhere for your trash. You know, you can't do a fire. There's no one to ask permission. There's There's no no one. No, there's no security. There's nothing. But everybody knows about it because it, it stayed pretty busy and it does go on. For a real, it is a long stretch. Yeah, down the road, and I would say, like during a busier time of the year, I could see having a hard time getting a spot. Yeah, I would say that this road wraps three, four, maybe even five miles, and the Rangers do come through. And the Rangers over at the National Grasslands do come through because, (laughs) yeah, because when the boys were being sworn in by this really great ranger. And I wish I had gotten his name. He was so great with the kids. And one of our little boys was um, really interested in the fact that the black-footed ferret has been pulled back from the endangered species, almost the extinction list because of their efforts here in this area. And he was showing the kids pictures that he had actually gone out recently and had retrieved some black-footed ferrets to uh, vaccinate and, you know, do the work that they do with them. So he was showing them these videos and these pictures. And I said to the kids something about, like, when we get back to the bus. And he goes, are you guys the bus on the hill (laughs) out there? And I said, yeah, that's us. And he's like, oh, I just drove by you the other day. And, you know, we chatted about that a little bit. So there is a presence there. They are making sure that the land is treated appropriately and that people are respecting it while they're boondocking and i gotta say i mean i didn't see a lot of trash i didn't see i saw no trash uh, i didn't see a lot anybody doing anything that i thought was disrespectful for such a popular boondocking area this is the thing about boondocking i think on blm land or on free land that's you know federally owned land i just feel because it isn't often near around or in a very special area that we all feel a little bit more ownership about that. How can you come to this particular spot and have the opportunity to glance at the beginning of the badlands essentially, and then disrespect the area? Yeah. You know, that to me, I don't think that people who are living this particular lifestyle and want to come and, and camp that way where you are camping with nothing, there are no hookups. You are just on your own, that to me, it doesn't feel like anyone who's going to come there is going to, that's not, that's not a party park. So those are pretty much the only camping op- options. If you do need hookups, that private park inside the park near the visitor center is really your only option. There might be a couple private parks sort of nearby and you could stay like in Rapid City, which is like a, uh, 80 mile drive or something like that. If you were just want to spend a day in the park or something, but I don't recommend it. I don't at all because Badlands is worth more than a day. Yeah. And if you can, if you are set up for one, two or three nights or however long you can to boondock this spot that we were at, I just, I absolutely recommend it. Someone left it. You could do this and then, and then move to that national park service campground too, and have two different experiences. Because someone had left a comment. I believe it was on Instagram on one of the pictures and had said that they did six nights there. I was surprised by how many people know about this place, how many people have stayed on this land and how, and across the well, board, we all love it. I think it's because it is such a challenge to to stay around there. And, and it is. This that's is what's true. Made it popular. So now our time of the year, I just I'm going to say this one thing and we'll go this time of the year. It's cold. Yeah. And it's windy and there's no protection up there. Yeah. And this so is we're talking in, we're talking mid to late September for those of you that are listening at another time. Yeah. So just keep that in mind that you need to be set up that if you are boondocking, you have heat, you're going to need it. I think one of the nights it got down to 34 and the wind was just whipping and it was cold. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back, 
we'll talk about actually visiting Badlands. How good the Badlands are. Be right back. All right, we're back to talk about Badlands National Park. And let me say first that nothing I saw at Badlands National Park was anything like any of the pictures I've ever seen of Badlands National Park. (laughs) I actually don't think going into it, I can recall ever seeing a picture of Badlands National Park. What I was expecting was just what I had the picture in my mind, and I don't know where I get this picture, to be honest, was totally different. And I thought, uh, it was much smaller. I thought the formations were much smaller. I thought it was fairly devoid of wildlife. I had a lot of misconceptions that were not true. I had a very Death Valley sort of vibe going on in my head. And I think yeah. part of that's just because of the name. That It just has to do with the name, Badlands. So, you know, and I assume it's called the Badlands. And I we didn't ask, but I assume it's called the Badlands because it wasn't a good spot for farming or anything like that. But it is... Uh, it is it's not a bad place. It is a very nice place. What we liked about the Badlands so much is it's uh, you're sort of out there and like a lot of national parks uh, where it's just this wild wilderness. But but here the horizon seems to go on forever. And you have these, like I said earlier, the earth just sort of drops out from under this prairie. And you have all these formations. In fact, that is what happened. This was all formed underground and then the ground eroded away around it all. And, And you can just see these formations and then beyond them for miles and miles and miles. And there are these vast, beautiful South Dakota skies and sunsets over them. It feels incredibly big. And I think words that I use to describe was I said to you when we were just driving through on our way out that when I look out my window, I see nothing but land. I don't see buildings. I don't see electrical wiring and poles. I don't see any signs of an industrial revolution in this part of the country. What I see is land that is probably the purest form to my eye that I will ever be able to get for what people saw in 19th, 17th, 16th, thousands and thousands of years ago. So these formations, they all sort of look like miniature mountains. But I But they're all the same size. That was another yeah. thing I pointed out was like there's never these pinnacles, if you want to call them that. They all are one level. They it's yeah, just, they sort of they they lop off at the top on the same yeah. same same plane everywhere. It's like if you just and came some through of them with a butter even, knife. Some of them is even little isle of island of uh, of grassland on top of them. It's beautiful. It reminds us very much of the painted desert in Petrified National. Yeah, it has sort of that same coloring. The, well, the same the the lines of yes of the different time periods cut right through all the formations and that visual is so great with yeah. kids. Ethan, I think of all of the three boys, really took an interest in the fossil and the the life that was on this land, this prehistoric life, really took an interest in that. And to be able to talk to him about that using those layers, what a great visual educational yeah. moment that was for him. Yeah, you can literally see erosion happening there. You can see it because it's it's eroding at an inch a year. So they say in a hundred thousand years it won't be there. Yeah. Which is wild. which is really an incredibly short amount of time geologically. Yes. And uh and, So get there now. Yeah, right. Because in a hundred thousand years it's it's not gonna be there. But this the story of how it's eroded and where what different layers, different stuff was found in that tells us different things about those different eras is so interesting. And the nice thing about this park too, is you can drive from one end 
to another. Yeah. So if, and- if you don't have the time to, to spend time in Badlands National Park, just like Petrified Forest, you can literally get off 90, take the Badlands Loop Road uh, and get back on 90 after driving through the park for about 30 miles. Yeah, it'll cost $20 to get into the park. Of course, unless you have a uh, Unless you have a pass. pass. And then that $20, however, is good for seven days. So if you do decide you want to stay longer, you don't have to pay that every single day. And this road is about, I think you said it was about 30 to yeah. 33 miles long from one end of the park to the other. You get in and we came in, we come in on the wall side of the entrance and you are immediately greeted with Prairie Dog Town. Yeah. Like, I mean, so let's just talk about how adorable Prairie Dogs right, are. Yeah. Please. Right at the entrance sign across the road from the entrance sign where you can stop and take a family picture is a Prairie Dog Town and Prairie Dog Towns oh gosh, are the, all over this area. They're so, they're so cute. Oh, they're so cute. And I love how they talk about that. They literally, they do set up a town. Yeah. It's not called Prairie Dog Town just to be cute. They set up a town yeah. and there are hundreds. There could possibly be thousands of Prairie Dogs like living together yeah. in a town. And it just. It, and they make these little oh, barking they make, sounds. They and, They're so cute. I, you know, that was such a great introduction to the park to have just this little welcoming prairie dog town right as you come in. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest surprises of the park for me is the wildlife. I Absolutely. wasn't expecting it at all. So you've got prairie dog towns. You've got bighorn sheep, which we got to see. We didn't get to see a big old ram with like a big, big horns. But we saw a mom we, we and saw, a baby, we which saw was quite wonderful. a few uh, perched on, on some ledges and then walking right in front of the car in front of us they did and they decided to come down off those ledges and come right in front of our car and continue to cross the street and just munch on some grass some prairie there are there are also pronghorn here we got to see a few of those not too many but very far distance from a distance so actually we saw a big group of them at dusk once Uh, that is from a long way away yeah, and that is really the best time if you can be in the park towards sunset. You are going yeah. to be treated with some uh, wonderful the wildlife. Are just amazing too. Yeah, it, the view of the sunsets and and literally this park is there are trails and we'll talk about the the ones we did in a minute. But this crop this park is just full of of scenic overlooks, and they're all beautiful and they're all amazing spots to see a sunset or a sunrise and like i said with those that big south dakota sky those big clouds the sunsets are magnificent yeah and the park is open 24 7 so you yeah. can come in to get those views and of it's the a, sunrise it's apparently a, a we didn't have uh the time to do it or actually it was full moon while we were there yeah but, uh it's apparently a great stargazing park as well because it does get very dark at night there because the only nearby town is Little Old Wall. Right. I think you had mentioned one time that you thought we were seeing the lights from Rapid City. Yeah. 90 oh, we miles. did. We did. Yeah. We saw we saw a cloud 90 miles away lit up from clearly from Rapid City. Yeah. It had to Jason be. knew it was exactly yeah. 90 miles, too. He said, that cloud is 90 <laughs> miles. I just know. Like I said before, there are bison in the park. Uh, we didn't get to see bison. There are... Uh, they're, black-footed ferrets are in the park, but they're ferrets. nocturnal. You're not going to yeah. see them. The bison are more in, in sort of a grassland area of the park. And 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 I should also say that all of our experience and, and what most people do is in the north unit of the park. And there is a south unit of the park that uh, that is not as close to the interstate and, and takes them to some work to get to that we didn't experience. But um, we, we had a a really fantastic time. We did. We obviously did a junior ranger program with our boys. In fact, our kids knocked out two junior ranger programs in 24 hours. They were rock stars. Yeah. But these were also grasslands one and this one they did. And, but these were also really great junior ranger booklets as well. The one for the badlands, we were actually able to spend the day in the park and then take the booklet home and answer and 
do the tasks in the booklet. I always appreciate when the booklets don't require us to spend a ton of time in the visitor center answering the questions, but rather encourage the answers and the interaction in the booklet to come from the time spent actually out in the park. And this was one of those booklets Mm -hmm. that allowed them to do that. So it was nice to be able to bring it home and work on it. So really the first thing we did was stop at the visitor center and, and, and got our junior ranger book and, and figured out a plan for some trails to go on. And I think an important thing to note is that if you are coming from wall, if you are coming from the West side, it is a good 22 miles to the visitor center. Yeah. It took us about 45 yeah. minutes to get there. So if, and if you're coming from the East side, it's much, much closer. Uh, but, but it, it, it took, took a good time. And we have decided for us personally as travelers through national park units that it is, it makes the most sense for us to head straight for the visitor center the minute we enter into the park. And there were a ton of scenic overlooks on this drive towards the visitor center that we kept thinking, Oh, do we want to pull off? Oh, do we want to stop here? Oh, do we want to stop here? But we have just learned that for us getting to the visitor center getting the junior ranger books for the kids, getting a layout of the park itself, talking to the rangers about hikes. Well, you get to know things like they, they, there are things that you just can't know in advance. Like it had been raining before we got there. So they let us know which trails would, would be the least muddy. You know, they, they know where the animals are at what different times of day. There are just things you can't learn online in advance and it's so worthwhile to just check in at the desk with a ranger and say, hey, what trail would you recommend well, we I go think, on? We're a family of five, you know, et cetera. Well, my point being, though, was that while you may be tempted to stop at all of these overlooks or you may be tempted to stop and do this short little hike. I can't encourage you enough to just go to the visitor center first and get all of the lay of the land and then begin to explore after you've had a chance to sort of talk with the rangers and even explore the visitor center a little bit, learn a little bit about the park, why these particular trails exist or why these particular overlooks might be named what they are. They just offer a little bit more of a benefit. Like they just offer a more enriching experience. I think if you start off there and then spider out. So the first trail we did was called the door trail. And this is a great introduction to what the Badlands are because you get to go off trail and walk through the formation. It's freestyle trail. It reminds yeah. me a lot of being at white sand. It's just kind of like marker posts that you, you sort of go between and you know where to walk. The first part of it is, is on a boardwalk. So if you are somebody that needs accessibility, you can get out and get an overview of this area. Um, but, then it's going to go the off the, the boardwalk board and step off and, and go out into the formations and climb on them and, and, and walk to the end of a very short little, little trail. Um, there's 11 markers so total. Much, so fun. And so interesting to be able to see all these little formations and feel them and touch them. And yeah, the trail is three quarters of a mile out to the end. There are, know, it didn't feel like that though. No, you know, it felt, quarters. it felt less than that, but yeah, yeah. it's, There are particular places where it's going to drop off a little bit. You know, you're going to want to watch your little ones because it is just sort of an open range trail that is laid out with however the land is laid out. So, you know, there were a couple of times when I wanted the boys a little bit more mindful. I didn't want them just climbing up to the top of one of these pinnacles without knowing what was on the other side of it first. But for the most part, if you have kids or adults or you yourself really want a chance to interact with the park off the trail in the sense that you don't want to just walk on a a boardwalk, but you really want to get in there with the park. This is your trail because I don't know that any of the other shorter trails are going to, they just, they don't allow you this kind of interaction. Yeah. The way the door trail does. We did another trail called the cliff shelf nature trail which takes you into a surprising section of the Badlands. Yeah, like a, walking through uh, trees, a little forested area. Yeah, it reminded me at one point, it, I felt very much like I was back in Voyagers, listening yeah. to the wind blow through the trees. The But you get to the top of, of this. It's, it's sort of like you climb some stairs. There's a little bit of 
uh, a vertical increase of, I think, 200 feet. 200 feet. It's a loop trail, you but get, you are going to have quite a significant amount of stairs. So that is yeah. something to consider if you are not comfortable with that. And you get to just this really beautiful, another overlook. And what you see is like, what you see from here is what you see in a lot of the park is, especially on a, a like a partly cloudy day, is the shadows of the clouds rolling across the plains and over the formations and sort of like changing the look and shape of them. So this is a really good photography spot. I think most of the park is excellent I was, photography. Yeah. If you are an avid photographer, this is a, yeah. a great park for that. So, um, so that was, that was nice. We also did that. We, we did three, uh, three short trails. We didn't do like a serious hike here. Uh, we just didn't have time. It was a short visit. We didn't have time, but they also don't have a lot of really serious hikes in this park. And the few that they did have were rated moderate, strenuous. And were fairly long. Fairly long. And also just had descriptions that I didn't really feel were Epperson family yeah. friendly. So we opted to do a lot of shorter like, hikes. Like four and a half miles one way and then you have to come back. That's just, it's too much for our kids. Yeah. Like we can't do that long. There was one too that you had to climb a ladder and yeah. then it was going to have a lot of steep drop-offs. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing that with the boys. We also did a little, uh, a little nature walk called the, I think it was called the Fossil Trail. That um, is a great trail, actually. See, it, I hated it. I know you did. <laughs> well, here's I but... mean, it wasn't what I expected. And I think the problem was that what I now know about it. So it's a little it's just a little boardwalk, a little loop boardwalk. It's not long at all. Anybody can do it. Uh, and it gives you a bunch of signposts that you can read about the fossil history of this area, which is really interesting. And I did I did like to note that stuff. No, you and Jack just were not. Well, Jack was it. he had. He had something else on his mind and he really wanted to talk to me about it. So we spent most of that trail talking about music, which is what he wanted to talk about. And yeah. that's sometimes you do that. Hey, and that's sometimes you do it. There's great conversations but to be had. I was nature. expecting to see fossils. Sure. And we did not see fossils. But now what I understand is sort of the land around this area erodes. And like every time it rains, new fossils can come up and you might see fossils. You might not see fossils. They take fossils out, that sort of thing. What I loved about it from an educational standpoint is that I had a child that was so into learning about the different fossils that could be found in this area and the different displays that they had as you progressed through the park that talked about the different layers and what could be found in those layers and where we were in relationship to those layers on this trail offered my educational side, my road schooling side, to have a really great moment with Ethan and Henry where we were able to go through this trail and Ethan was able to discuss what he was reading. He was interacting with Henry and translating it to Henry. And then as we were driving out of the park later that evening, we said, look, there's the yellow layer. Here's and we were then able to relate it back to what we were going to see in different sections of the park. That's why I liked this trail so much from an educational yeah, standpoint. That was pretty special. Yeah. And yeah. it really spoke to kids and was put together in a language that they could understand. So I think it's a great place to stop off if you want to try and sort of get your child a little bit more engaged with some of the paleontology that the park can offer. All right. So let's let's sort of wrap this up. Badlands National Park, a surprising top tier national park destination. It is something that you, even if, if you have no interest in going to Rushmore and the Black Hills and Custer and all that, it's still worth going to Badlands National Park on its own. Yeah, you can go to Badlands and then cut down to Wind Cave, which is which what is kind of what did. we did, and, yeah. and then we're heading back. And then we're up. going back up to Custer. Uh, but it. Uh, Fantastic place. The one thing that we did not get to do that uh, that you might want to check out is the Minuteman Missile National Historic Site, which is right off the exit, the eastern exit off of 90 uh, that heads into the park. It's just on the north side of that exit. And this is a, a historic site. 
And um, we just ran out of time. We yeah. were only there for three days, but they do have a brand new visitor center that looked beautiful just from the outside of it. And you can tour this missile site as well. So it's a great place to stop off again. If you just have a day, you have the choice. Really, you could go Badlands or you could go over to Minuteman Missile. And even if you're just driving through, you could you could go into the Minuteman Visitor Center. Uh, you could then drive through the park and still make your way on towards the west. Yeah. But uh, I highly recommend boondocking. Yeah, I mean. I think that that's, it's probably my most enjoyable yeah. boondocking experience, even given the cold and the wind. The view yeah. just makes up for all of that in spades. All right, let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. What do you got for us? This is the one the kids wanted me to wait till this week. Yeah, So I'm going to do it this week. Oh, and before I do, I forgot to mention the winner of last week's brain teaser earlier when we were talking Jason, about the answer. Jason, Jason. But before before our good buddy Howard lets me know that I forgot to announce the winner. Thank goodness Howard is out there listening, <laughs> saving us from ourselves yeah. numerous times. Uh, our, the winner, and I hope you're, I'm pronouncing your name right, Bob Warshland from New Hampshire. Bob will win a Not All Who Wander or Lost t-shirt. And if you can answer this week's brain teaser, send us a message on Facebook at our email at editor at rvmiles.com. Twitter. Uh, Twitter, wherever Instagram. you can reach us. And you might win a t-shirt as well. All right. Ready? I'm ready. Always. I don't know what I'm I'm expecting you to be I ready don't know for. why like, you ask gonna, me that. You're not gonna give me an answer. So What happens? Next week when you ask me if I'm ready and I go, no, uh, are we just going to sit here I'll and just, wait? I'll just cut that part out of the episode. <laughs> You're diagnosed with a deadly disease. I'm sorry, but you are. You're diagnosed with a deadly disease and are prescribed two different sets of pills. You must take only one of each pill every day to survive. If you take two of the same pill, you grow a tail and die a painful death. But silly you, with only two days left on your prescription, you accidentally drop your four remaining pills and they get mixed up. I don't know where you're buying pills. The pills are completely unmarked and look exactly the same. Yeah, well, you really need a new pharmacist. <laughs> you have no way of telling the pills apart. How do you make sure you take the correct medication? This week's teaser has a very like Alice in Wonderland meets Game of Thrones sort of <laughs> feel about it. Yes, especially that tail part. You're going to be, a, I guess it's a dragon tail. I don't know. I guess it can be whatever tail your body decides to grow. But that's not, you don't want the tail. So, no, I mean, you, obviously or, or the you're trying to prevent, yeah, you don't want either one of those things. So if you know the answer or would like to take a guess at the answer, send us that little email over at editor at rvmiles.com and before we wrap it up we're actually not wrapping it up this week the boys have been asking for weeks if they could do the outro to the podcast so so this week jack and ethan are going to sign off on behalf of the rv miles network and here you go Thank you for listening to my mom and dad's podcast. Please subscribe and leave them a five-star review. And remember, keep, keep logging those RV miles. miles.